Well, before we begin our Torah study, let's pray together. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. We're reading the very last chapter of the five books of Moses, the fifth book, Deuteronomy, uh, Devarim, chapter 32, Moses' absolute last words before he goes. And what's interesting is Moses has been uh, reflecting on his own um, future, and he knows he's not going into the promised land, and he knows why, and you know why, which tells us that God was remembering his sin, but was removing penalties. However, even though Moses did sin, it didn't mean that Moses was no longer a man of faith. It did not mean that Moses was separated from God. Everyone sins. Is that correct? It's what we do with our sin our unintentional sin, or even our wayward sin that um, has some intentionality to it. What do we do when we um, consider that? Uh, You can think about King David as an example who had sinned grievously and was uh, unmindful of his sin until the prophet Nathan came to him and told him uh, a, a parable, really, a story that provoked David to a kind of righteous indignation. And then David was confronted by Nathan who said, you're actually the guilty party. That story is not real. It's about you. And David, to his credit, humbled himself. And and we learn in Zechariah that the clans of David and the clans of Nathan the prophet are going to... um, They're going to seek the Lord together in the last days, even with tears. So now we have the example in Deuteronomy 32 of Moses, who has an important word in verse 3 and verse 4, verse 5 and 6. I want to focus on these verses first. He says, I will proclaim the name of Adonai. Come declare the greatness of our God. You come and declare. And it's interesting, the Hebrew is, is explicit. It's a, it's a call to come, but then it's, it's in the command mode or the imperative voice. You declare the greatness of our God. You proclaim the greatness of our God. And I want you to pay attention to that because Moses is trying to impart to the children of Israel a sense of vision about who they're called to be and what God's intentions are for them. And I want you to think about something. Moses knows he's not going into the promised land, but he's also speaking to a mixed population of people that are not going in. Some will and some won't. And so he's got a mixed audience and he's speaking and he's trying to convey vision for the future, but vision for the present. Because it is still an opportunity for that generation of people that had hardened their hearts to the Lord to actually humble themselves before God 
and to grasp something, and that is the goodness and the greatness of the Lord. Come, proclaim the greatness of our God. Moses goes on, the rock. Why don't you just, I'd like to hear you say that. Even better than that. Come on. Yeah. The rock. That's what Moses has to say. The rock. His work is perfect. For all of his ways are just. Remember, this is the guy who was told, you can't go in because you sinned. And I don't know about you, but I look at his sin versus all the things he did for the Lord. And I say, golly, but the Lord knows Moses, and he knows his plans for Moses, and he knows what Moses needs, and he knows what Israel needs. And Moses is saying, his work is perfect, for all his ways are just. A trustworthy God who does no wrong. He is righteous, and he is straight. It's a beautiful statement that he's making. He is not corrupt. Now here's here's the point he makes. The defect is in his children. Let's turn it towards ourselves. God is perfect. The problem is us. The defect is us. I'm the defective one. Now, it's interesting to think about this in light of redemption and the sacrifice necessary. Do you remember when any sinner brought his sin sacrifice to the priests? What did the priests look for? It was that the sacrifice was perfect. It had to be without defect. It had to be without blemish, right? The priest looked on the sacrifice. He didn't look on the guilty party. Because that's, in a sense, what everyone was doing. They were saying, oh, God, look at this. Don't look at me. I'm guilty. And innocence is not mine, but I I know that innocence is necessary. When, the, when Moses says the defect is in the children, you know what that means? The children cannot be the redemptive sacrifice. Why? Because they're defective. Everyone's blemished. Everyone. Every one of us. He's not corrupt. The defect is in his children, a crooked and perverted generation. You foolish people, So lacking in wisdom, is this how you repay Adonai? Is this how you repay him? He purchased you out of slavery. Is this how you acknowledge your debt to him? He is your father who made you his. It was he who formed and prepared you. That's an awesome statement coming from a man who could be embittered or disappointed. And he's not bitter. And he's not disappointed. 
He's, he's saying, hey, guess what? I'm not going to the promised land. I'm going to the Lord. Hallelujah. And he's just. Now, part of justice is if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And I believe that Moses grasped that as well. God is just, and he understands I'm guilty. And I confess this, I admit it. And so he's just, and he's faithful in the way he's dealing with me, in the way he's dealing with us. That's the word to Israel. And there's an, there's an important idea here that connects to the next two verses we're going to look at. God has plans for Israel and intentions for Israel that connect to his plans for the whole world. Let's go down to verse 8. When Elion, the Most High, gave each nation its heritage or inheritance when he divided the human race, he assigned the boundaries of peoples according to Israel's population. But the Lord's share was his own people, Jacob his inheritance. It's an interesting statement. The promised land was designated for Israel's future. Even the Israel that had not yet come into being. Because this is prior to even the birth of Jacob. It's prior to um, Abraham for that matter. And Moses is saying God had a plan. And he understood that he was going to bring forth the people that would be called to serve his redemptive purposes. That's what the children of Israel are called to. And that the allocation of lands is connected to what God wants to do for each nation. The promised land was designated for Israel. And yet, it was first inhabited by others who had become so evil and corrupt through violence, through, through worship of false gods, through sexual immorality, through child sacrifice, just to name a few. And these people had made the land a living hell. That's what people did on their own. And so the children of Israel going in there was an intervention from God. Do you remember Rabbi Alan Levine's Kol Nidre message that humans were making earth into a living hell? And God intervened and changed things. If you ask this question, as, as he proposed, um, how could a loving God send people to hell? And he turned it upside down in a correct way. And he said, you know, it's God who's intervened to snatch people out of hell. But let's turn, it in, let's turn it in a different direction. How can, how can a loving humanity create hell for other people? Because that's the real question. And the answer is through evil. Evil hearts, evil doing, a lack of repentance, uh, serving uh, all that is false and not the one who is true. That's how. And when we see in history what happens when societies disregard God, what happens when individuals um, don't have a heart to serve the Lord, the, the world becomes corrupt and it becomes dangerous for those who live in it. 
So every one of us needs to be aware of that. It's not enough to know about God. It's necessary to know God, to have intimacy with him, to have hearts that are close to him, so that the beauty of his love and the the profound impact of his holiness can really touch us. Uh, It's not that we have the right information. We have to be close to God. This is important. It's not that we've learned all the rules. They won't sustain you. If you just focus on the rules, you may end up being one of those people who says, Lord, Lord, we did all these things in your name. We followed the rules. We deserve to be with you forever. And he'll say, I never actually had intimate closeness with you. You were trying to justify yourselves and redeem yourselves. You never humbled yourself enough to really come close. It's necessary to have that humility. God intervened, and the whole purpose, his whole plans for the children of Israel were part of a solution for how to rescue the hell on earth that was developing through humanity. The Lord's share, verse 9 says, was his own people, his allotted heritage, Jacob. What's the other name of Jacob? Good, that's the Hebrew name. Israel, Yisrael, right. That's his other name. Yaakov, Yisrael, Jacob, Israel. Um, But here, it's not just talking about the man, it's talking about his descendants. His his descendants, the people, the descendants of Jacob and Israel, these are God's inheritance, his portion. And so Moses is trying to stir something up. Do you know who you are? Do you know what God has called you to be? Will you ignore that and go the way of all the nations that need God but are separated from him? Or will you open your hearts to him and soften your hearts to him and really allow your life to be lived for him? Do you know who you are? God's intentions, his kavanah, say that word with me, kavanah. Intention, his intentions for the children of Israel. Are, are, are so clear. He wants his children to be so close to him that they know what's on his heart and they receive it, and that they can proclaim the message from his heart to other people's hearts. So we're called to be messengers who proclaim a message. In fact, the uh, Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible, Um, from several hundred years before the time of Yeshua. The Septuagint renders renders verse 8 slightly differently. It it says that the the Lord assigned the boundaries of the peoples according to the, the number of the angels. And some people have crazy ideas about what that means, but angel means in... Greek and in Hebrew, it it means angel, but it also means messenger. And what this actually means, I believe, in the Greek is 
that according to those of Israel who would carry this message of the Lord and whose hearts were committed and dedicated to bring this message of God's love and his holiness. So it's not about angelic beings. It's about the intentions of God. As you read the whole chapter of verse 32, you feel the tension. You're called to be this, but you're going wayward in this direction. You're forgetting this. Your hearts are, are misdirected. Your minds aren't thinking clearly. Get right with God. The defect is in us, not him. Sometimes when people start judging God, they get far, far away from him. When they question his goodness, they often are elevating themselves. God's not good. How do I know? I am a righteous judge. I know better. But Moses is saying, you've got to be kidding. The world has already become a living hell that God wants to overcome. And how is he going to do it? He, he found a, a, a man, Abraham, and a woman, Sarah, who would bring forth a covenant son, Isaac, through which a family would begin. And through this family, a, a nation would come forth. And from this nation, the word of God would be proclaimed. And through this nation, the anointed one, the kinsman redeemer, God himself, who became part of this nation, not only a father, but a son within the nation, that, that Yeshua would become the redeemer who, who is also the sacrifice for the sake of the nation, but also for the sake of the whole world. So that the redeemed of the Lord could bring forth the good news of Messiah. How to get right with God. Whether you were born into the people Israel or not. Whether you're from this nation or any other nation. So that was God's plan. That was his intention. That's what Moses is, is crying out to Israel about. You could pull a few passages from this chapter. You could pull a few phrases and think, wow, it sounds like Moses is anti-Semitic. Hardly. He's being a prophet to Israel. He's speaking a word of rebuke where necessary that, that's softened by a word of vision. I want you to get that. Do you know who you are and what you're called to? It's only when we compare ourselves to the high calling of God, that we can clearly see what we can become in him. It's only when we compare ourselves to the perfect righteousness of God that we discover our personal de defects and faults and sins. You can find uh, a weasel out there to compare yourself to and you'll look pretty good. <laughs> but when you compare yourself to a righteous and perfect God, we all fall short. Israel's been given an inheritance that is connected to the call of Israel to proclaim a message, to bring a message. And we are to be people who proclaim a message. I want you to get this. 
proclaim a message, so it has to become something that we can say out loud to others that makes sense and is understandable to them. But we're also to be messengers who embody a message by living out the message. It's important for us to grasp we're called to live in a way that reflects the goodness of God and the justice of God and the mercy of God and the love of God and the righteousness of God and the compassion of God and the redemptive power of God. And this requires that we grasp God's intentions. What does he want from us? Does he want you just to be a a ritualistic person? No. Does he want you just to have a religious life that fits into a little piece of time each week in a certain space? Is he impressed if you're religious enough to be here right now? Not necessarily. He wants us to have hearts that are so open to him and minds that are so open to him and schedules and and bank accounts that are so open to him that we don't act as if we're the boss and he's our servant, but he's the boss and we're serving him. Every resource that we have belongs to him. We're stewards. The heart that you have belongs to him. We're stewards of our heart. We're responsible to know the condition of our hearts. God's intentions are important. If we don't grasp them, we will focus on the wrong things, and we may do things that appear to be righteous but are motivated by the wrong things. If your your actions are meant to prove that you are righteous, then God will know. If if you prophesy without love, if you give all you have without love, then what? It doesn't count as far as the Lord is concerned. But Lord, we prophesied in your name. But Lord, we cast out demons in your name. But Lord, we perform many miracles in your name. Lord, we did this and we did that. Don't you know how to measure things? What's wrong with you? That's why Yeshua says, ah, you're not mine. You didn't know me. I didn't know you. Evil motivations will lead to evil action even when it's covered in religious garb. God's intentions are clear. You know what that means? Our intentions need to be clear. And that requires that our hearts are open to God, that we have good intentions and good actions together. This is the interesting thing. Think about about those people who Yeshua said will be sheep, not goats, And in the day of of judging, he'll say, thank you because. 
When I was thirsty, you brought me something to drink. And when I was hungry, you brought me something to eat. When I, when I had no clothes, you brought me something to wear. And when I was in prison, you brought, you came to me. And the people with the right heart say, we don't remember doing this. And he'll say, you know when you did it because you were being generous to that person? And you were being compassionate to this one? And you were taking care of that one because that that's what was in your heart? You were doing it for me. I received it that way. And remember what the goats say? It's something like this. Yeshua says, you don't come in. Because when I was hungry, you didn't bring me any food. And when I was thirsty, you didn't bring me anything to drink. And when, when I was naked, you didn't bring me any clothes. And when I was in prison, you didn't come to visit me. And you know what their answer is? It's interesting. They said, when did we not do the right thing? Oh, my goodness. Do you see the difference in heart? It's like they're saying, we always did the right thing. And the other ones say, we didn't even know we were doing this for you. We were just trying to show kindness to someone. But the one who says, I don't remember not bringing you something when you were thirsty. I, I, I don't remember not visiting you in prison. When did that happen? I think they're the same ones that say, hey, hey, I was out there doing miracles and prophesying in your name. Good intentions and good actions really go together. They really work together. But good actions that are meant to justify us aren't good intentions. <laughs> you, you get that? I really want us to get this so that we don't conclude the high holidays thinking, okay, now I'm free to go about my business and live my life the rest of the year. I got this over with. I'm good for another year. I think we're up for it. It does require soul-searching often. Why do I do this? Why do I not do that? Why? How do I think? Is my life really belonging to the Lord? Or have I fallen into the traps of my own religious faith? Not my faith, but my religious faith. It, it's, it's good to think about this. Well, that's what's on my mind these days. <laughs> Lord, that we would be faithful to the very end. That we would hold on to your purposes and your goodness. That we would know your goodness in the land of the living. That we would know, Lord, that that you are 
continually faithful and we struggle to be faithful at all. Lord, it's our hope that we would live with humility before you. That our hearts would stay soft. Keep our hearts open, Lord. Don't let us, don't don't leave us, Lord. Don't get tired of us, we pray. That our hearts would be soft to you. That's our hope, Lord. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. We're going to close with Aaron's blessing. And folks, don't forget to mark your calendar November 13 through 16. Kadima 2019. It's going to be a great time together. Messianic Mishpocha. It's going to be powerful. It's going to be useful. It's going to be encouraging. Put it on your calendars now so that um, nothing gets in the way. Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmarecha. Ye'era Adonai p'navelecha v'chunecha. Yisa Adonai p'navelecha v'yasem lecha shalom. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep watch over you and protect you. The Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace. In the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Shabbat Shalom. Amen.